Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. So just all cards on the table. I had kind of a rougher week from a physical health perspective. I had a little bit of vertigo. It's nothing contagious. It's just something weird going on in my body. And so it's a little weird. But what that means is I may at times sit down as I'm talking, but all that is to you is it's, it's a challenge because you, know, you don't know this if you're not a preacher, but when the anointing takes over, it doesn't matter what's wrong. Okay. Like a guy, pastors just get, they'll just preach for an hour, even though they have to go to the bathroom. The, the, it can't can be stopped by the anointing. Okay. Uh, and so here, here's my challenge. If you see me sit down, that, all that means is you need to amen louder. Okay. Now what's up people online? Hey, um, we're so excited that you guys are here. I know that you guys, some of you watched beforehand, or maybe some of you are sick and, and you can't be with, with us here today. Just remember if you haven't visited us yet, I know it's awesome through the TV, but it's even better in here. So I, yeah, see, there you go. I know that some of you won't believe me that this works, but if you'll scream amen at the TV or the computer screen, I'll feel it in the spirit, man. So you just go ahead and do it. Don't hold back. Um, we're talking about something that is really near and dear to my heart today, and that's shame. I'm starting a brand new series called Ghosts of Christmas Past, and it's not about Charles Dickens. It's not about anything like that, but there are certain things that haunt us, everybody. Everybody's got pain. We're not gonna, it's not just Christmas things. It's not just only things haunt us at Christmas, but uh, this is just a reminder that there's certain things that follow us, things like shame, things like labels, things like regrets, and they can, they can be ghostly in our lives. And what they do is that uh, shame especially can overcome us with this like mind-warping feeling of like, I just like, almost repudiate myself because I'm so ashamed of who I've been and what I've done. And even if you are a Christ follower, even if you know that, you know, I don't know that shame is really appropriate for a Christ follower, even if that's the case, it doesn't matter. That ghost of the past or Christmas past can latch onto you and try to drag you down. So we're going to be talking about that today. I'm going to tell you three ghosts that I remember. <clears throat> they're not all Christmas related, but they're still ghosts from my past. And what I mean is they try to lock me into shame. When I remember these things, even though I, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time and I know that, hey man, that's, that's forgiven. Jesus has forgiven all that. It's still something that tries to accuse me and say, ah, oh, but remember how bad that was, Carter? So the first is a little bit silly. I was probably about 11 years old and my buddies and I, we used to, after school, we'd walk down to a little corner store, a little grocery shop owned by this old lady named Gracie, okay? Well, Gracie's corner shop. And we'd go in there and we would steal now and laters. Now, and now and later is just a Starburst that doesn't taste as good, if you don't know what that is, okay? <laughs> but it was this little old lady, and over the years, I just really felt convicted. And, and part of the shame for me, even though I've done far worse than that, that I don't feel any shame about it at all because it's under the blood of Jesus Christ, there's something about the fact that it was an old lady, you know what I'm saying? Like, ah, oh, you robbed an old lady. You're supposed to help old ladies, and you robbed an old lady. Okay, so I feel pretty bad about that. When I was in high school, there was a moment. Now, first, I just want to clarify for everybody. My lips never understood a true kiss until I kissed my wife, Mackenzie, just so everybody knows that. She's the girl for me, always, no matter what, just so everybody knows. But at that time, I had, there was a time I had another girl, a girlfriend, and um, she was a girl. She was just a real nice girl, okay? Imagine, like, I think about my own daughters, like, just nice. You know, they're just nice. Well, what I did was not nice. I kissed another girl. 
And then I broke up with the nice girl in a kind of public and very cruel way. Like I just, I just really like dug in the knife and blamed it on her and it wasn't her fault at all. It was just all me. And of course, I don't, I, I love my station in life right now, but I still look back at like, you were really cruel to a chick that was only ever nice to you. And that's still, that's a shame haunt for me. Like I still think about that. When I was in college, I was leader of a campus ministry. And I was, we, we had our normal meeting, but then we wanted to have a special meeting. And so I went to one of the administrators and I said, hey, can we use this special room that people don't often get to use, but would you just let us use it for this one time? And she was like, you know, I can't let you do it. And then one of my not so brilliant Christian friends said, she's never going to know. Why don't we just do it? And I was like, that makes sense for some reason. So we went and we used this room for, I mean, it's 20 people, 20 people, little meeting. But she found out about it, and she approached me about it. And, and there's just nothing to say when someone you're supposed to kind of be under their authority, they come to you and say, so you, you did this in the name of Christ? And there was just a shame. You know, so like she, it, it, it was a good kind of shame, but it was a shame that if I'm not careful, that can still, like, do you remember that, you moron? You remember what you did in Jesus' name? Like, that's crazy. But that's the way... Shame is, shame can make us feel worthless. It can make us feel like something has attached itself to us. We've internalized it. It becomes, instead of just, I did a bad thing, it becomes, I am a bad thing. There's something wrong with me inherently. In fact, I, I reject myself. I don't want me around. I would shame me if I could. And for some of us, this is particularly dangerous because shame causes us to distance ourselves from the very people that would comfort us and love us. For some of us, shame was even a part of your upbringing. Like this was, it was maybe more ingrained in your particular kind of family than others. There was just a high shame culture and you had to do everything thus and so. And if you didn't, man, it was, it was not only bringing reproach on you, it was bringing reproach on the family. And that was just a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Some of us, Maybe you've, from a very young age, you've, you've experienced particular types of sexual temptation. And there's something about that that says, it's not just that you experience those temptations. That's because you are a disappointing thing to your creator, to the people around you. Or you've got some kind of secret. You've got some kind of past. You've got some kind of addiction that if anybody knew, you're already ashamed, but you would just, it almost like melts your heart if anyone ever finally found out about that. And some of us, it even leads to this like self-loathing. It leads to this personal beatdown of self. We're always just self-critical. Now, some of us, we try to get around the shame. We try to, hey, I'm just going to be a perfectionist. This is where a lot of perfectionists come from. I'm just going to be a perfectionist. If I can just always do it right from here on out, then the shame has to shut up. If I can just get it right now, then all that, well, you know, yeah, it was bad, but I made up for it somehow. How many know that don't work? That just don't work. You just stay a perfectionist and you're always trying to quiet that voice, but it never is quite quiet. Others of us, we, we're critical of the thing in us, but then we see it in other people and we're kind of like judging them and critical of them. Okay, even though it might've been worse in us in one point, we see it in somebody else. I'm like, man, they're so prideful. I hate their pride. And it's really, I hate my pride, but I see it in them. Or that, you know, Whatever it is, I'm, I'm critical of them because I'm critical of me. And I don't like to see it mirrored, myself mirrored in their behavior. Others of us, we just get in these patterns of negativity, of, of self-sabotage thinking. We're like, well, I did wrong before, so I'll just do wrong again in the future. 
Well, it fell apart back then, so it's probably just gonna fall apart again in the future. I'm never gonna get past this because I never have gotten past it. That's just the kind of thing that I am. I'm just a disappointment. I'm just the kind of person that never moves forward from that. I'm just always gonna be eternally condemned to always doing these wrong things because it's not just wrong things, it's a wrong me. Is the Spirit speaking to anybody today yet? It's real, man, and it's hard. And, and, And sometimes... The holidays, Christmas time, reminds us of it even more because we see people that we don't normally see, maybe. Okay? So you see, you know, you see certain people that kind of bring out the worst in you. So you become at the party like you're the mom the past three years that kind of lost her temper or whatever it was. Or you, you know, you're a little bit ashamed because your dad always gets drunk and you're just like, this is just a shame on my family and everybody knows it's a shame. And all I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna be ashamed again because for some reason it's my fault, even though that's the way he chooses it to be. And it just brings out the shame. Or maybe, maybe for you, you're going to encounter your parents and you know that they don't really approve of some of the ways you discipline your kids. And, you know, it's going to be a, a big thing. And you, you're not going to say it, but you're going to know it, that they're slightly judging you and you're feeling, taking this shame. You're like, I feel like I'm 15 again. And I don't know why, but I'm taking on this shame that doesn't even really belong there from somebody else that may or may not even be able to th- be thinking that. And it's even, it's maybe most tragic if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe most because those who were set free, it was for freedom that we were set free. And yet for us to be locked back in and to walk again in bondage, that's just not God's heart for us. So you think about the Old Testament Israel. Some of you know this story. Okay, so before Jesus, there was a people of God and they had you know, many centuries of God dealing with them. But before that people of God was even a free people, they were a enslaved people. And they were enslaved for 430 years and they were slaves, man. And their, their whole reality was, I'm like a little smarter than livestock, so I'm therefore I'm a little more valuable to my masters, the Egyptians. But, you know, mostly they feed me. I don't get a vote about anything. I just shut up and work. Like, that's what I do. And that's a slave thinking. That's a slave shame. It's a slave mentality. But then God sends Moses, and Moses helps them get away from Pharaoh and from the Egyptians. But we read as they make their journey to the promised land that God promised them, they remain in this slave mindset. In fact, it takes a whole generation. Like the parents have to die off before the people of Israel truly get like, I'm no longer a slave. God has rolled back my reproach. See, they came out of Egypt, but they still thought Egypt. They came out of their shame, but they were still thinking in their shame. And that's how it is for some of us. We, we came out of it. I mean, you, you actually know you're forgiven in Christ, but you're not living forgiven In fact, you're only living half of what God wanted you to live. For some of us, you're believing some things that you know actually aren't true according to God, but you're believing them anyway, or you're not believing certain things about yourself that God says now are true. Because see, the New Testament teaches when we come to Christ, it's not just that we go through some kind of religious rite or, or, you know, we start going to church or start, start some new patterns. It's actually much deeper than that. We become a new creature according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We become a brand new creature. There's, there's like a, there's a, meta, like, like the same way a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. It's a whole new thing. And God wants us to live according to the whole new way. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some ghosts, some ghosts of your past. So hopefully this Christmas you can get a little bit more free. Because man, wouldn't it be a shame to only be living half the Christian life that God wanted you to have? Wouldn't it be a shame for Jesus to like go through all the trouble? And then for some of us, I'm living in the sense of, I know I'm forgiven, but I'm still living in Egyptian shame from my old life instead of in my new life. 
We're going to go, we're going to, in this series, we're going to go to Isaiah 53 and 54. So if you want to study those over the next few weeks, that's where we're going to be. 53 and 54, Isaiah is a really big book, and it's a lot of prophecy, almost 700 years before Christ, and it's really specific. You can trust God with his word. He'll make sure it comes to pass no matter what. Isaiah 53 is all about the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, whom God is going to send. He's going to undo all kinds of hell and all kinds of bad. And then Psalm, or, uh, Isaiah 54, did I, say, did I say Isaiah? It's Isaiah if I said Psalm. Isaiah 54 is all about, and here's the glory that's going to come from what Christ did. Here's all the great things that are going to happen because of what Christ did. It's a promise. It's a promise to you and it's a promise to me. For everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ, this is what we can look forward to. It says in Isaiah 54, 4, fear not. Okay, this is after Christ. Well, it's, before, it's written before Christ, but it's about us after Christ. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood. God will look at me and he say, Carter, it's my will that you no longer even remember. I mean, it's not like you don't remember that you stole those now and laters, but it just doesn't come to mind because you no longer feel that shame. You're not ashamed anymore. God has rolled away your reproach. He's taken it away because of the cross of Jesus Christ. See, John, the apostle John had a revelation on this. He wrote in verse John 19, if we confess our sins, he's faithful. Okay, so God's gonna absolutely do it, right? He's faithful and he's just, meaning it's legit, He's able to do this because someone paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And check this out. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll purify us. Okay, so if you come to my house, there's a lot that's really awesome and beautiful and dope because my wife knows how to keep an excellent home. But the one thing that we can't control is the well water. The well water is nasty, for most of us in the family. And so we have this nice Brita filter, okay? So every time, you, you know, you, gotta, you take some water, you pour some water in from the faucet, and it purifies the water. And I gotta tell you, man, can I just tell you, it's way better. Like the water's way better if you put it through the purifier. It's a different water than what went in. And God showed me, Carter, I've purified you, and I'm continuing to purify you. Okay, so the thing that you were when you were 11 and the thing that you were when you were in high school and even the thing that you were in college and already knew me, I've already purified that. I've already made that a different thing than it was then. See, God's a God of his word and he's gone ahead and fulfilled his word. It's not just that he's forgiven me. It's not just that it's just to do so because of the cross. It's that he's purified me and is purifying me from here on out all the way up until the very day of Christ Jesus according to Philippians 1.6. Is everybody with me here? So what a shame it would be for us to only receive half of that and be like, well, I'll take the forgiven part, but I'm just not, I'm going to walk in the reality that I'm still like dirty water. No, you're not dirty water. You're not. He's, he's faithful to purify us. Somebody say amen. amen. See, shame, it's a ghost that's busted. It's a ghost that is busted when we believe God's word over our feelings, when we believe God's promises over our feelings. Oh, baby, I know what it's like to feel shame, but God didn't ask me what I feel. He asked me what is true. Based on my promise, what is true? What is true is you are purified. And I want you to walk in that reality instead of walking this old Egyptian thinking. Nothing wrong with present day Egyptians where everybody is, okay? So don't, don't tweet something nasty at me. I'm talking about Old Testament Egyptians holding Israelites hostage. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bust this ghost. 
We're gonna bust this right open. To heal from shame, I must persistently ponder. Let's even, before we go to number one, let's just focus on those two words, persistently ponder. This is not a thing that you're gonna get today. You'll get it, but you gotta, you gotta steep in this stuff. You gotta be like that tea bag that just steeps in that water again and again. You keep sending it down and that water gets more and more dark tea. That's what God wants to do to our souls. He wants to stain the soul with this truth, but you gotta persistently ponder it. It means you gotta think about it and then think about it again. And then think about it again. Instead of filling our mind with other stuff, we just stop. No, I'm going to think about this again. When I notice that I'm, I'm thinking according to my feelings, no, I'm going to go ahead and think according to God's promises. So to heal from shame, I must persistently ponder, number one, who Jesus came and died for. It was the ungodly. Who did he came and die for? It was the ungodly. I want you to see these two scriptures, one right after another. <clears throat> We're going to shift our focus. It's not what I am, it's what he is and what he wants. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, Christmas time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did he die for? He died for the ungodly. Oh, wait, so he didn't die for the perfect people or the good people or the religious people or the really Christian-y people. No, he died. Who he died for the ungodly. Check it out, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So twice he says Christ died for us. But he tells us the who and he tells us the why. The who was the ungodly, the sinners. The why was, did you, I just want to make sure everybody sees this because some people are like, I don't even know if God actually loves me. I don't even know where that is in the Bible. It's right here, baby. It's Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. It was love for you. God personally loves you and died for you. He came, okay, that was very costly. It was very expensive for Jesus to come. He had to lose everything in order to come, okay? So for you and for me, he lost everything and came. And then he was obedient every day of his life. Who for? For you. He didn't need his own, he didn't need to like add to his own righteousness. He was obedient every day for you. And for me, for the ungodly. And then to top it all off, he loses everything again. He dies for you, for the ungodly, because he loves them. That's what he wanted. He wanted the ungodly. So some of us were like, well, you know, he just means other people. And I know, you know, I'm not supposed to walk in shame, but I, I'm not like them. So I'm just going to go ahead and absorb this. I'm going to pretend that I'm still this nasty water. And God says, no, no, no. Who do you think I came for? I came for the people like you, the ungodly. So, so when you have evidence that you're still ungodly sometimes, you're like, oh, praise God. I'm the one he came for. Great. I qualify again. Hallelujah. This is still good news. So let me give you, I know, I know that sometimes we don't always get the revelation here. So let me give you kind of a, a story illustration. All right, let's pretend. <sighs> You're going to McDonald's and you're going to get a Big Mac. You, you think about that Big Mac on the way over. You get in line. You're like, can't wait for that Big Mac. And, you know, you get the bag and you're so hungry. You're just like, oh, yes. And you drive off, okay? And you get about half mile down the road and you're like reaching in the bag. You want to have that Big Mac. You pull out McNuggets, okay? And you're like, what? What is this? Now, some yuts in the back room, they were like, I know they ordered a Big Mac, but let's just give them McNuggets because I think that's what they really want. Now, if it's just McNuggets, you're probably like, 
it's not that expensive. It's, it's only a few bucks. You know, it's, yes, I wanted a Big Mac, but I, it's not like it was a lot of money. What if we change the situation and it's pizza? Okay, so you ordered pizza. And you're like, you can't wait, it's coming, you know, and it's like 40 minutes late, and then you finally get it, you're like, whoo, you even gave a big tip. And then they drive off, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, a, this is a whole different kind of pizza, and it's cold. Because some Yahoo in the back room said, I think I know what they really want. Let's give them this pizza instead of what they ordered. Okay, let's, let's up the ante even more. Okay, you're going on vacation. You're going to Hawaii, all right? You're getting first class tickets. You're just staying in a five-star hotel. You're thinking about it, man. It's so good. You, you, you even put it in the hands of professionals. You're like, I'm going to get me a travel agent. They're going to, oh, they're going to do it up nice. And it's going to cost a lot of money, but I don't care because it's time. And you're doing this thing. <laughs> and you're just waiting. Limo's going to pick you up, take you to the airport. And what happens is just somebody's old van pulls up. <laughs> they're like, hey, man, sorry. You know, I know you paid to go to Hawaii and do all these things. Here's what we got. We got a van, okay? We're just gonna take you around to the mall and you're gonna circle the mall for a little while. We don't have any, you know, top dining, but we got Lunchables and you get to stay you can, as many times as you want in and out of the mall for 21 days and you can sleep in this van. If that were to happen, you'd be like, not only is it like, you know, a complete disappointment that you're not getting what you wanted, but you're like, they, they didn't fund any of your money, so you still paid for Hawaii. You're like, I paid for Hawaii? And I get this crap? Like, that's what you and I are going to be thinking, right? My friends, when we tell Jesus, I know you don't really want me. You probably want these other people. You probably want these other kinds of religious people who are doing a little bit better than me. I know that you don't want me. Do you think it's possible that Jesus gets a little bit irritated from time to time and says, who are you to change my order? I came for the ungodly and it cost me everything three times. I paid everything for you three times over and you're going to tell me I don't want you. I came for you and I expect to get it. Are we hearing that? Guys, let's not tell Jesus he doesn't want us. He's been very clear that he does. So that means we answer half truths with the whole truth. That means when when we're accused and it's, it's us or it's somebody else or it's the enemy, yeah, well, I, I am a sinner, but I've got an awesome savior that came just for me. He came for the ungodly. Oh yeah, I mean, I know that uh, I, I'm not always adequate. I'm not always enough for whatever situation I'm in. But then again, I have a helper who came to help me, who came to complete me, right? I know that I still do bad things, but I also know that I'm being purified by God. Every day he's getting me closer and closer. And someday I'm gonna leave this body behind. I'm gonna be entirely perfect in his presence. I know that some people do reject me, but Jesus always accepts me. In fact, he says, he picks me out of line and says, that's the thing that I wanted right there. That's what I want. And that's the one I choose. And that's the one I purify. So my friends, let's just, if we say anything other than, I just gonna sound weird to you, okay? But if you say anything other than, I am the treasure of Jesus' heart, it is a lie. It is a lie from hell. It is a lie to say anything other than you are the treasure of his heart. Three times he paid everything to get you. Let's not resist him anymore and let's not try to change his order. Somebody say, I ain't changing his order. 
To heal from shame, I must persistently ponder, number one, who Jesus came and died for. Number two, what Jesus did for me. So I'm going to shift my focus from what I did. Yes, I did do that, but here's what he did. Isaiah 53, okay, he's, he's talking about, here, here's what Jesus is going to do. Verse six, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That's true. I did go my own way. Turn, I, I went astray. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. The penalty goes to him. I love verse 12 in the in the. C-E-B, therefore I will give him a share. So this is God's, the father's reward to Jesus for all that he's done. I will give him a share with the great and he will divide the spoil with the strong in return for exposing his life to death and being numbered with the rebels. Though he carried the sin of many and pleaded on behalf of those who rebelled. He was numbered with those who were rebels. This is the opposite of justice. We talk a lot about justice today. Let me tell you who understands injustice. The one who was perfectly obedient got the full frontal force of injustice. This is the one who the soldiers mocked him. Now, he, he's the last one who would ever deserve it. Soldiers put crown of thorns on his head. He's the last one that would ever deserve it. And he said, I'm going to go through that so that I get you. That's worth it to me. I want to get you. So that means I'm going to focus on the fact that the cross makes me free. The cross makes me accepted because of what Jesus did for me. I was looking for an example, and I need to get a little help with this one because um, I love to watch football, but I don't always understand exactly how every rule works. And so I had to call my good buddy, Danton Manahan, who helped me walk through this rule. When there's a penalty on the field, ref throws a flag. There's a penalty. Once the play is over, it's still possible for some other refs to call that penalty into question, to say, I'm not sure that's exactly how that works, or I'm not sure you saw that the right way. Let's, let's look at the tape, and let's make sure that that's exactly how that happened. They don't do it often, but they have the power to do it. And occasionally, that call is overturned. Okay, so this thing we thought happened, there was even a call made on it, but then other people came around and said, I'm not sure that is the right call. Let's go with this other call. And they overturned the previous call. Everybody hearing what we're screaming here? Okay, so this is what happens with Jesus. Your conscience and the enemy, they shame you. And it's true. It's true from a certain point of view. But the problem is, yes, that penalty flag was thrown, but there's more on the tape. On the tape, the Bible comes along and says, ah, no, 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 but you're forgetting the blood. That was true, but you're forgetting the blood. See, when you throw the blood in there, okay, when an innocent will suffer on behalf of the guilty and take their penalty, that penalty goes away. In fact, they get a first down. Okay, like you were in trouble and now you're not, you're not only out of trouble, you got the ball. Like you're better off than you were because of Jesus. That's what God, see, are you hearing this? I know there's a bad report about you. But Jesus turns over the call. He says, that's a report about me. How about that? It's a report about me and you take all my right standing and I'll take all your penalties and I'll gladly pay your penalty. So to heal from shame, I got to persistently, somebody say persistently. I got to persistently ponder who Jesus came and died for, what Jesus did for me. And number three, how Jesus feels about me how Jesus feels about me. Jesus is not ashamed of you. I know that's hard. So, some of us, like, you, you don't even want to receive that because you're like, well, Jesus is righteous. 
Jesus is holy. Oh, he absolutely is. But that penalty was turned over, including your shame. That shame was taken away. Hebrews 2.11, Jesus and the people he makes holy. Somebody say, he makes holy. Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. Now you gotta hear this, please. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. That is why he is not ashamed. So if you think Jesus is ashamed of you, you're just out of God's word. I'm sorry, you just left, you left the boundaries of the Bible. He is not ashamed of you. If you've trusted Christ, if you've given him your sin, received his forgiveness, he is not ashamed of you. In fact, you're part of his very own family and he's not ashamed of you. Why? Because he knows that what he did worked. He's not ashamed of you because he knows. He's like, dude, I'm the one who took away the penalty. I remember the cross. I remember what it was like. I promise your shame is gone. Just like Isaiah 54 said, you no longer need to be ashamed because I took it away. And now I call you my very own brothers and sisters. Not only is he not ashamed of you, Jesus is satisfied with you. Isaiah 53, 11, when he sees all that he's accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. That's what Christmas is about. He will be satisfied. He won't just be like, oh my gosh, thank God that's over. This word satisfied, it doesn't quite do it justice. In the Hebrew, you got, you got to picture yourself like on your perfect end to a day, okay, when everything's calm, all the people you love are around you, and you just had a glorious meal, and there was no drama with anybody. Everyone was just enjoying one another's fellowship, and you kick back, and, oh, it was so good, and you're satisfied with life. You're satisfied with everything about this situation. That's how Jesus is about you. He kicks back and says, oh man, I'm not only not ashamed of you, but this is my live and end right here. This is my best day. This is what I was after. The ability to kick back and be with you, enjoying our fellowship. Oh, I love it. He's not thinking about what a disappointment you are. He's not thinking about how ashamed he is. He's just thinking about, holy cow, this is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. That's what he thinks, if you're in Christ, about you. So years ago, we had a dog named Jedi. Now, Jedi, you might see him on the, on the screen here. He looks a little snarly because he was a little snarly looking. Um, and he looks even worse now. He's super dead. He's been dead for like 11 years. So, <laughs> But at the time, he was a puppy, okay? So we got this little puppy, Jedi. And, you know, somehow, I don't know how, like, we just hear this bark and he's out the door. Like, somehow he got out and he gets down the street and we've got some friends over. So we all, you know, fall out of the house and go try to look for him. Well, we don't find him. And then we put up posters on the trees and telephone poles and it's a couple days and we're not hearing anything about Jedi. And then our some of our friends, they're like, hey, we're gonna go for one more round. We're gonna look around. And they go down maybe a different street or something and they're asking around and they find Jedi tied up in the back of some guy's backyard. This guy had rescued him. These kids were throwing sticks at him, beating him up. And we got Jedi back. And when we got Jedi back, yes, he was a little dirtier. In fact, he was a little bit beat up. Like he, his, his personality wasn't really quite as soft as it was ever since then. But you know, we weren't, we weren't ashamed of him. We we're so overjoyed just to have him back that it was like, we, we, at the end of that day, we were satisfied. 
with our little itty bitty family. It's just the same way with you and me. I know, I know, dude, you got dirty. I get it. And you made some mistakes and maybe you're even a little bit of a bruised version of what you were. But Jesus Christ came looking because he wanted you. He wanted the ungodly and he turned over the penalty that was against you and took it on himself. And once he's got you, oh, he holds you close. He says, you may still do stuff wrong, but I will never be ashamed of you. Sometimes the father will be disappointed with your choice, but I'll never be ashamed of what you are. And he kicks back. He says, I'm going to hold you now. I'll hold you now on earth. And someday in heaven, I'll hold you face to face. And that will be his satisfaction and his joy. So I want to give you some challenges today. As we go into this series, as we bust some of these ghosts by believing God's word over our feelings. Here's, your, here's challenge number one. Maybe for you, you've owned a lot of shame and you feel this kind of general vague shame. I want to challenge you. Sometimes when you write it down in a journal or somewhere, you, you, you tease it out. You, trauma psychologists teach us that trauma actually gets lessened when we write out what happened, when we summarize it in our own words. If you can summarize your shame, here's what I'm really, here's what's bugging me, Jesus. Here's what it is. And then you offer that to the Lord. See if that doesn't change something in how you're thinking about that particular shame. If you want to challenge level two, tell a trusted spiritual advisor, Christian friend, Somebody you trust that they're going to deal with that the right way. Tell them what you're ashamed of. I, even, guys, even as a pastor for many years now, like it still ministers to me when other friends, they just look at me in the eye and say, buddy, you're forgiven in Jesus' name. He loves you. Let that thing go. Whew. There's something about having somebody else stand in Jesus' place and say that to you. that is pretty doggone awesome. And so that's how I want to end this service today. For some of you, I wanna encourage you, maybe you're not at the place yet where you're, you're ready to trust Christ with your shame. You're still, you're still thinking, you're, you're on the field and you're like, I'm just gonna make up for this penalty. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do things righter from now. I'm gonna be that perfectionist. I'm gonna get through it. And as long as you keep trying to make up for the penalty, you will maintain the penalty because you're still in you, man. You're still trying to do it on your own. When you get ready, when it's time, your challenge is gonna be, to let go of that penalty and trust Jesus to take it for you. And if you're not there yet, I wanna give you some time. This month, Christmas month, will be a great time to meditate on it. See, sometimes we're not ashamed enough yet. For some of us, we're at that stage where it's probably good if you kind of perfectly reflect on all that you have done wrong because you don't feel particularly bad about it. And once you've done that, then Jesus starts to look like a very good idea. So as we close in prayer, let's bow our heads. And I want to speak specifically those to you who are carrying shame. And I want to tell you, if you've trusted Christ, I know that it's heavy and I know that it's disappointing and I know it's not who you want to be and it's not what you wanted to do. He knows. He knows all that. I've got good news. He died for the ungodly. He came for the ungodly. He wants your penalty. And he turned it over for you on the cross. And being with you is where he derives his ultimate satisfaction. So I speak to you in the name of Jesus. You are forgiven. And your destiny is not shame. Your shame is over because of the cross. 
And you gotta believe with all your believing, you might have to persistently ponder it with your believer. But believe it again today. Jesus is not ashamed of you. In Christ's name. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.